thank you for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, James Atherton. Welcome, James. Hi, April. It is so lovely to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so I we've had that conver this conversation before. Uh, we had a fantastic, magical hour and a half conversation that I failed to record, and I didn't realize that until the very end. So we're going to have to, uh, and you graciously offered to come back, do a, a mini version. So we're going to skip a lot of the fluff. Uh, one thing that we may try and keep in is the uh, linguistic tag. Uh, Ooh, the prior guest had chose decentralization as their word. So you're tasked to try and fit that somehow into our conversation, right? I'll try. And oh my gosh. The, the word that you chose last time, I don't know if you're choosing to stick with it, but it was abundance. I love that. I think let's stick with that if that's okay. And I'm in dire need of some abundance right now <laughs> when i think of abundance i always think of uh the bounty of nature right you know the the fruits the vegetables that we can grow and i'm looking at my backyard as i as i speak and where i am it's it's winter and it's getting very cold and gray outside so i want to uh, yeah let's stick with abundance if that's okay Okay, that's a lovely word. I like it because it's concentrating not on just getting by and scrapping by, but you know, actually living abundantly. And I love it. So, okay, so let me have you introduce yourself. That may be a little bit easier. So, tell us what uh, James is all about. Oh, thanks, April. So, I am the grant manager and learning, uh, gosh, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure of my title <laughs> because we are so, here we go, we are so decentralized in the organization that I work with called Regenerosity. Uh, we work as uh, one ecosystem. We work as, you know, lots of different parts that connect together and, and share, share tasks and roles, but who we are as Regenerosity we are an organization that works to introduce regenerative design. So things like permaculture, regenerative agriculture, agroforestry to the philanthropy world. And, and we look to think about how we can integrate the principles of nature, which regenerative design are based on into philanthropy. Uh, so I help to link uh, philanthropists, funders with regenerative design projects around the world. Uh, and I also work with an organization called Realliance, uh, who are focused especially on regenerative design in the humanitarian and development sectors. So asking the question, how can we design our humanitarian interventions? How can we design things like refugee camps in a way that promotes, oh, and here's my word, promotes abundance, <laughs> promotes the health of the whole system of the people inside and also the ecology. Uh, 
And that's a lot about what regenerative design is, I, I think. You know, we have the goal of uh, thinking about how we can create abundance, how we can create optimal whole systems health. Yeah. So let's um, talk about a term that um, some people, including myself before this, hadn't really heard or we probably heard and it just didn't register, and that's permaculture. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, of course. So permaculture began as two words combined. Uh, so it emerged in the 1970s in Australia, where I'm originally from, um, and it was a conjunction of the words permanent and agriculture. So the two uh, originators or the two people who helped bring about the movement, although 100% acknowledging that the ideas of permaculture came from a lot of interactions with indigenous Australians who have been doing this kind of as custodians of their lands for generations and generations. Um, but the two people who helped write it down saw these words permanent and agriculture uh, as a way to describe the question, how can we create agricultural systems that promote health and that are fully integrated into the spaces where they are? Uh, so they designed a uh, design system. So a system of, of consciously interacting with the land where you work, of consciously observing and, and finding out what works best for that land. And along that came a set of principles, uh, principles being kind of ways that we can see the world, ways that we can engage with the world. For example, one of the principles of permaculture is produce no waste, produce no waste. And thinking about that in agriculture, uh, we might think, how do we create systems that, that naturally cycle, that that waste doesn't, there are no byproducts that are wasteful, but in fact, the byproducts in inverted commas uh, actually are part of the system. And you think of compost when you think of things like this, like in a healthy forest, you know, there is no waste. You think of what trees might, we might think of trees waste as things like fallen branches or fallen leaves. But actually those cycle back into the forest ecosystem. Those degrade, those build the health of the soil, those build the health of the whole system and actually bring more life and more health and abundance to that system. And so I've mentioned permaculture in terms of agriculture, but in fact, it doesn't actually have to do with agriculture necessarily. You know, it can also be applied to human communities and to other designs, which is quite cool. And do you have a specific project in mind that has the permaculture applied to a human aspect? Oh, good question. Okay, uh, let me think. I like, so I, I work in a team, uh, quite a lot, you know, I mentioned the Regenerosity team and, and the Realliance team. And we can actually apply permaculture's principles to teams. So thinking about how we decentralize power dynamics, how we 
spread power and governance across the whole team rather than creating like centralized power dynamics. And even this principle of produce no waste, one of the permaculture principles, produce no waste. How can we apply that to teams? And that might be, for example, how do we not waste anybody's talents or passions? Like for example, for example, someone might be sitting behind the computer for most of their uh, work day, but actually they might be really passionate about drawing or painting and being creative in that sense. So maybe how can we integrate, and this is another permaculture principle, integrate rather than segregate. How can we integrate those passions and talents rather than segregating it from work? So yeah, there's an example. And it's interesting to think about once you get going, once you kind of think about these permaculture principles uh, and applying it to different spaces and different parts of our lives, uh, kind of the world is your oyster, to use a not very vegan saying. Uh, it's, you know, you just keep on thinking of more and more ways to apply these principles. And it's really cool. Well, tell us how you yourself got introduced to um, the permaculture and regenerosity and regenerative movements and what compelled you to become part of it as opposed to just a, a bystander. Well, so I mentioned I'm from Australia originally. And um, I've, so I moved to the UK. I'm, I'm based in the UK now uh, about... 12 years ago and so in Australia uh, the city where I'm from is surrounded by rainforest it's it's beautiful it's a subtropical city uh, rainforest everywhere around it beautiful beautiful native animals um, so I was always out in nature quite a bit and uh, I'm catching myself because I'm trying to change the way that I speak so that I don't talk about nature as the other. Okay, I should explain myself more on that <laughs> because we are part of nature, right? You know, we humans are natural too. We are part of natural systems. So I call myself, but I was always out in the rainforest in the forest uh, and very much inspired by it and loved it. And like I mentioned before as well, permaculture as a movement emerged from Australia and was kind of born in Australia. So there are quite a few permaculture community groups and farms around where I'm from. And I was always inspired, but uh, never really knew too much about it until uh, I moved to the UK actually, and got involved and finally took a permaculture design certificate course, a PDC we call it, uh, in the UK uh, about eight years ago now. And so I kind of always interacted with permies, we like to call them people who, <laughs> who implement permaculture uh, in, in Australia and kind of had friends from, from the movement, but never kind of took the plunge myself until I moved to the other side of the world, which was um, a bit funny, really. But since then, uh, Kind of, I've been connected into a few other movements through work, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, 
And it wasn't until I started working for a company called Lush, actually, uh, which is a cosmetics company, and started uh, supporting with their spring prize, which is a biennial prize that awards groups working in regenerative design movements. And it wasn't until then that I kind of got connected into this wider regenerative design movement. Uh, and yeah, it sparked things off. I've been inspired ever since. So one of the uh, principles of permaculture and that we had discussed previously was, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the problem is the solution. Yes. And I think you mentioned this, but it prompted me to go ahead and, and, and look at some of the um, projects on the, the website. And one of the cool things that stuck out to me was this cactus problem, right? Yes. Like, was it Africa? There was this huge cactus problem, like the, um, uh, the roaming cattle, like if they ate it, it would mess up their intestines and, and they would die. And exactly. it just, it would take off and take over the land. And it was just this nuisance plant. Exactly. And, but whenever they uh, incorporated and applied this permaculture principle of the problem is the solution, these uh, women uh, started harvesting the cactus and uh, creating all kinds of food items out of it, like jellies and things like this. And so it kind of reminded me of, you know, similarly in America, you had uh, the peanut, you know, you had, uh, I can't remember his name, Dr. Carter, I can't remember. Right. But yeah, yeah. He had all these different uses for the peanut. And so it kind of reminded me of uh, something that was readily available, this cactus that was a nuisance, you know, you're finding, you know, it is the solution and it's bringing in income at the same time, clearing out this nuisance plant that was harming the uh, cattle. So uh, were there any other kinds? What, what are some current projects that you're excited about that you're seeing as examples of uh, regenerative processes? I think this principle especially is such a, a great example of how regenerative design can be so creative and far-reaching. I, I love that example. Thank you so much for bringing it up. And I would definitely encourage anyone who's listening to watch that video on regenerosity.world. Um, yeah, amazing. It's the Laikipia Permaculture Center in Kenya. They're so creative with their permaculture applications. It's, it's amazing. Uh, another group that springs to mind is an amazing group in uh, Ecuador in Latin America, in Ecuador, and they were a winner of the Spring Prize uh, last year in 2019. And they've been thinking of creative ways to uh, perpetuate, to, to keep their uh, traditional language alive. So there are only a handful of people who speak the Sapara language, uh, which is a, an indigenous community predominantly in Ecuador. Uh, and only a handful of people who speak their traditional uh, language and it's so it's dying out um, so as a way to kind of preserve their culture while at the same time bring income into the community and also protect their forest 
they've been creating an eco-tourism settlement where they're welcoming people into their homeland to teach their traditional culture. And also they've noticed that it's helping to stop the oil exploration in the forest, which has been the cause of quite a lot of deforestation uh, in, their, in their area and a lot of poisoning of waterways from the oil extraction too. So they've seen this problem of deforestation and their uh, language being lost as almost an opportunity for them to create this community. Uh, and you can look them up, Ripanu, they're, they're amazing. And they've thought of creative ways to welcome people in and share their culture and keep their culture and rainforest alive. It's super inspiring. And I think they're a great example of how permaculture uh, not only can be applied to the to plants, to animals, to things like this, but also to culture and also to uh, the way we live our lives. So it's kind of taking permaculture beyond the agriculture, which is cool. It kind of reminds me of. Um in a more commercialized, you know, society, like where we're all about internet and computers and, you know, um, COVID, you know, some people, it's amazing how, what would seem to be this um, death sentence in a way to certain industries and ways of making a living, people have, it's just amazing, like how you can kind of take that problem and all of a sudden flip it on its head and find ways and it's it's really cool like how different people are uh, you know people are so resourceful you know yes and resilient it's so true like how i totally agree that covid this year has really been uh, you know you know has really shown the power of community and the power of you know when people's stick together and you know share and like you gave the great example uh last time we spoke of your neighbor kind of hosting a stall out the front and it was kind of building great community in your your neighborhood as well too and i just think there are so many great stories like this from what has otherwise been such a hard year for so many people but so inspiring to see how people come together to create these creative solutions. Davis, do you get to visit these uh, places around the world or do you uh, get to do most of it from from where you are based in there in the in the UK? Well that's the joy of internet <laughs> definitely but I, I do uh, so our team does travel sometimes to visit projects but the great thing about being a global network. So Re Realliance, for example, is a network of over 100 regenerative design pr practitioners from over the world. So it's quite great that we can draw on the wisdom and knowledge of uh, other people in the network to kind of say, for example, we want to interview some people on a project or monitor the work of a project there's often someone from our network quite close by that you know saves on the carbon emission from travel cost mm -hmm. and you know things like this so they can you know have more of a, 
a local person to do to do that work. So that's the great thing about you know, being connected in, in times like this. Right. You know. Well, we only have about nine more minutes left and I want to, again, be very respectful of your time. Um, let's get to the part where you tell us about three of your teachers that our listeners can go and learn from and research. Oh, wonderful. So my, the first person who so deeply inspires me uh, has actually just released a new book so I'd like to shout out to her and to her new book, Luby McNamara, Luby McNamara. And her new book is called Cultural Emergence. And when we've been talking about applying permaculture to human communities and to kind of social designs, Luby McNamara has definitely been one of the pioneers of this movement of applying permaculture to human communities. And she's really grown that with her new book called Cultural Emergence, thinking about how we can create, like consciously create and consciously bring about cultures of care, like cultures that can help us, you know, build social health and ecological health at, at the same time. So yeah, her new book is amazing i just received my copy a few days ago and i've already read the first chapter and it's i'm blown away it's great mm. i can remind you my who they, they were before oh, yeah. if you like oh yeah no please please do actually uh, you also I'm... mentioned uh starhawk yes starhawk so in fact, Luby McNamara and Starhawk, I think, have worked together uh, once before. But Starhawk, so Luby is based in the UK. Starhawk is based in uh, the US, in California. Uh, and Starhawk, uh, I believe she calls herself an eco-feminist. So thinking about how ideals of feminism and ideals of ecological care can intersect. And she has a, a heavy focus on ritual. Like how can, how can the things we do together as community, how can those things help us build health of community uh, and build connection to the earth and to each other? Yeah, Starhawk's amazing. Uh, I definitely recommend the book Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare. I think she wrote it in the 80s, but it's uh, an amazing kind of, it really dives into the psychology of kind of our connection with the earth as well too. Like how, how did we get to the stage as a culture where it's okay to destroy the earth? Like even though we rely on kind of planetary health, you know, planetary health equals human health, you know, without planetary health, our human health declines. And, you know, there's, research to back this up but what's the psychology that that made us get there as a as people as humans like why why is that okay and she kind of examines that and it's it's very very deep very deep <laughs> and i believe i mentioned is it green relief 
You did not. Uh, you mentioned realliance. You've mentioned that before, but you said that was one of your teachers was realliance. But tell us about this uh, green relief. Oh, great. So green relief are a member of realliance. So I mentioned realliance has about a hundred regenerative design practitioners and organizations in their network. And Green Relief is one of them. They're an amazing group from the Philippines who work with communities who've been displaced by uh, environmental disasters like typhoons or earthquakes, uh, and also from conflict and, and war. Um, so they work with communities who've been displaced from their homes, kind of looking at how to help heal and build the health of those communities and also the land. Uh, and the relationship, of course, between uh, between those. And they've just released a short film. I think it's less than 15 minutes about their work. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, you can see it on Realliance's YouTube page. I can send you the link too. Yeah, and I just love how like all of these projects and cultures, you know, you have different scales, like, and so it's not something that can just be on the other side of the world or whatever. It can be like within your community that you yourself can start inside your home or in the community. However, you know, big your scope is and your vision, you know, there's a place for that in this world. So I appreciate you introducing those of us who weren't familiar with permaculture at all. Um, I've, I've talked to, to a few people about this interview and they're like, Perm, perma what? <laughs> so, you know, just, just getting it more out there um, as a concept, because I know the truth of it has been out there, but just, you know, putting a name to it, giving it, shining a light on it, it's, it's gotta be more helpful than you know, than not. <laughs> exactly. No, it is, it's such an, an honor and I'm so happy and glad to, to be able to do it. So thank you. Well, James, we have just a few minutes left. Was there anything else that you wanted to add? Just how grateful I am for this um, opportunity. I'm really glad for this conversation, April. So thank you so much. It's been um, wonderful to talk with you and yeah, I would definitely recommend people if they want to know more about permaculture and regenerative design. Um, the Realliance website is a, is a great resource for that. Um, but there's also a lot on YouTube. So if you search uh, permaculture design on YouTube, like you said, April, any, any scope, any scale of implementing permaculture design is, is helpful. I mean, we like to we like to think of this term, like what are our circles of influence? Like where can we have the most influence? Uh, and just focus there, you know. We don't have to worry all the time about these very big issues, even though, you know, it's important to think about big issues, definitely. Um, but where can we have direct influence? And, you know, that's a, that's a great place to start. Yeah, I know after our first initial... Um interview and uh, where I was introduced to permaculture I uh, was taking a trip and I was looking on Airbnb and one of the places was, was talking that it labeled itself as an eco village and it mentioned the terms permaculture 
and things like that. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm booking this place. And so he ended up uh, giving us a tour of the uh, houses that they had built with earth bags and so forth. And oh, wow. so it was really interesting uh, conversation. Uh, I went ahead, I had, since there was permaculture in his listing, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have my phone ready and record the tour. And so I'll be coming up with another episode all about uh, kind of eco villages, uh, but mostly intentional communities as well. So that was a new, another new concept to me. I'm just learning all kinds of things these days, but. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. What an amazing synchronicity. Oh, it was. That's fantastic. All right, James, thank you again so much for joining us here in Sheffy Sandbox. I hope our paths cross again soon. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.